think when you're younger and you don't know, and that 1991 Michael uh, just lacked a lot of confidence and um, even the confidence to take risks, which I think is really important in life. You just have to take risks, but you don't, you know, you don't know that when you're younger. You know, you kind of learn that along the way because you fail, right? And the failures help you kind of learn, hey, yeah, I'm fine. And I can come out of the other end of this actually better off because of it. And even if you fail and fail again, at least you've always tried it. So. <laughs> Welcome to Chill Track Friday. I'm Ann. Hello, hello. This is Ali. We're coming to you from my apartment again. Little time capsule release again. Um, are we coming live from your apartment? <laughs> no. None of these are live. None of these are live? They're pre-recorded? No. They're pre-recorded. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. <laughs> uh, that was the dinner bell. That was the dinner bell. The dinner was just delivered. And that's why we don't... We, it's easier to record at the studio, isn't it? <laughs> and we just missed the siren that went by. Yeah. Okay, yeah. back back to where we were. <laughs> um, <laughs> my apartment, not the studio. Yeah, I totally lost train of thought. But uh, New York City Marathon is in a few days. So I think all of our episodes are special. But this is a special one for a few reasons. One, our guest. And two, because we've been holding on to this episode for a reason. And the reason is that it's kind of New York City Marathon focused. And the marathon is in a few short days. So we thought that we would let everyone hear this as they're waiting to run one of the best marathons in the world. That's right. Yeah, we recorded this a while back and held this back on purpose. So who is our guest, Ali? Yes, we have today with us uh, president and CEO of New York Roadrunners, Michael Caparasso. Welcome to Chill Track Friday, Michael. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. You know, at Chill Track Friday, we usually don't just we don't beat around the bush. We just dive right in. So question for you. You can only pick one professional baseball player or run marathons. That, that could be the toughest question I've ever gotten. And, and, and let me tell you why. When I was five years old, my grandfather took me to Yankee Stadium to see Mickey Mantle play. And he told me I could play center field for the New York Yankees. And it took many years before I realized I couldn't do that. So to be a professional baseball player is a pretty tough one as opposed to winning a marathon. Can I take, can I take a pass on that one? But hopefully that story would, would tell you enough to let you know. Um, it would be tough, but probably play, being a professional baseball player. Can, can you talk a little bit about your Mickey Mantle days? Yeah. yeah. So, your Mickey Mantle days? No, so, no, so seriously, my grandfather took me to Yankee Stadium. It was Mickey Mantle on his kind of his last legs, literally, in like 1967. I was five years old. And I fell in love with baseball. And he said, you know, you someday can play center field for the New York Yankees. So number seven became my number forever and has been in every iteration of it. And I really tried so hard when I was young, but I just had like so little talent and all the passion and drive and commitment you could possibly want. But found out really early on, I could barely make, you know, the high school team and then tried in college and didn't cut it. So somewhere along the way, I took up running. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of how I ended up here. But yeah, this might be just I'm following up on tough question after tough question. It's do you remember the moment where you were like, oh, I don't think I can play center field or like making that I, choice? I, I will let you know when it comes. 
great. There's right. always hope. There's still, there's still a part of me that thinks somewhere along the way I can play center field for the Yankees. That is so cool. So what is your earliest running memory? I mean, obviously it would be in baseball, but do you have the isolated just running for running memory? You know, uh, somewhere, I can't remember what age, but it was somewhere in the mid to late 80s. Uh, I had a friend I worked with, and he used to go out for runs at lunchtime. And we had a shower in the office, and he said, um, why don't you come out for a run? And so I would go out for runs with him. And then um, I wasn't good at it, didn't really love it, but I thought I had to do something. And I remember running with him at lunch and thinking, okay, he's a lot better than me. He's been a lot longer. Let me just see if I can beat him. So towards the end of the runs, I would kind of, wouldn't tell him, but I would pick it up and just kind of spurt my way in and beat him. And then we started running races together, and it was the same thing at the end of the race, 5K, 10K, whatever. I would, towards the end of the race, I would just kind of, like, just go and try to beat him to the finish line. And those were kind of my early running experiences and thinking, okay, I'm probably a better sprinter than I'm a distance runner. Um, but I didn't perfect either of them. It just got into the love of running right around that time period. Oh, that's cool. You know, I've heard about the Caparazzo finish. <laughs> 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 I've heard about your finish, whether it be of a cool down or lunch. Remember the old lunch run you used to go on? I heard yes. about your, uh, yeah. you were always winning at the end. <laughs> well, part of it, honestly, was like I just wanted to get it done. Yeah. I just thought, you know, if I, if I ran faster and gave it all I got, I could just kind of get it done. So yeah. that was, that was kind of, I don't know if there's any more strategy than that, really. I love that it was, there was a competitive drive in there mm -hmm. in that entire story that's saying like, let me find out like, where's my niche in that, in that way that I can actually, and then you found that at the end you can, you can make that push and, <laughs> and beat him. <laughs> it is interesting. I don't really consider myself an overly competitive person, but, but you just pointed out that I, I guess there are aspects that I'll just at times turn that on. Um, same thing about playing center field for the Yankees. I mm -hmm. still think there's a way, mm -hmm. um, but it's the same thing with running. I just think that there's something I can do that's gonna make me a little better, not necessarily than the person next to me, but better than I was the last time out or better than I was last year. And as even as I'm getting older, I still believe I can run better or faster, and we'll see how that goes. You, to me, like I, I've observed you running from in group training. I have seen you at races not, as the president and CEO of New York Roadrunners, but also as a runner personally. For for me, and I'm pretty sure I'm speaking for Anne correctly too here, is that I think you embody the spirit of Chill Track Friday, like the podcast we have created. It's like you're really focused on the journey and along with the day, hey, show up to work, keep keep showing up, you know, be your better self the next day and bring others along with you, uh, inspire others by your actions. Um, do I have that philosophy right about you? Can you talk a little bit more about your running and just life philosophy in general? Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's always easier for other people to kind of sometimes pick up on something. I mean, listen, I, I'm a I'm a grinder. I think when it comes to things, and I I do believe in the greater good, and maybe I'm idealistic to a fault, but I I believe that you can kind of lift people up and and get them to a better place. Um, and I, when I say you, I don't mean me. I mean collectively, we all can. Um, and I'm a cheerleader for that kind of stuff. So sometimes whether it's through me running or by me cheering you on or by me asking you five questions, I, I believe that there's a you know place we can get people to that's always better. So yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah, I get up, I, I, I say this to my kids all the time too. It's like, I always try to you know do your best, 
perform well, you know, go the extra mile, um, and that's, you know, take the high road, all those kinds of maybe cliches, but that's what I try to go on. And, and if that helps to kind of get people, them inspired, great. Um, uh, but I feel like running is a big conduit for that in general. So I happen to have found something that I really like. Um, I don't know that I'm that good at it, but I, I like trying to be good at it. So I like encouraging other people to be good at it. Um, and I'll high five, cheer you on, encourage you forever. Um, and I love doing that. And what, what is really great is doing it with kids, too, who are just like you look them in the eye and they're just looking for that something to kind of get them going. Um, so I just I'll run around forever and cheer them on and, and high five them and tell them you, know, you can do it or just, you know, give it your best or whatever, whether you're first, middle or last, it doesn't matter. Um, and it's interesting because I, I um, you know, a few years ago, I ran a Fifth Avenue mile faster than I ever thought I could. So I've kind of given up running it for speed. And the last few years, we just had the New Balance Fifth Avenue mile. And what I do is I, I go to the end of the pack uh, like six or seven times and I run down Fifth Avenue with someone that's towards the middle or back of the pack. And I just start talking to them and I just, you know, get a story from them. Turns out this year I ran with someone who's running their first ever race and they picked the Fifth Avenue mile. I ran with this other uh, young man who we, we got to a PR, which I didn't know his PR. I didn't even know the person beforehand. So, but there was something about just clapping, cheering, and running alongside that I thought this is really cool and it's fun. And a lot of times, if you put your own stuff aside, you can really inspire other people to do that. And that's one of the things I really like the most about what I do. That's wonderful to be able to share that gift with somebody. I mean, as we're both coaches, and that's been the most valuable thing for me is the giving back and just seeing that someone is experiencing something that they might not have experienced before, developing self-confidence where there might not have been any, or, you know, going running through t tough times in life. It's like, it's a, it is a life force, and to be able to facilitate that, that's really wonderful that you went to the back. It's fun. It's really fun. And you guys, I mean, as coaches, you understand this. I mean, what you're giving the people the ability to just, to think they can accomplish something, regardless of the speed or the pace, but... But it's a really valuable thing. And, you know, we look for other people uh, in our lives to help us kind of work through things. And that's pretty cool. So I, I think he has got really cool opportunities to do that with people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of allowing people and helping people to get better, you have continued to PR over and over again as you get older. What is that like? As First of all, that it's like fun and exciting, but do you put a lot of pressure on yourself or does your training change? I mean, there's lots of stories I'm sure here. But. Yeah, kind of all <laughs> of the above. I don't know. I mean, the one thing I, 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 I think is that the bar was low to begin with. <laughs> so so for sure, I, think I always say to people, yeah, I wasn't that, 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 that good then and I've gotten a lot smarter. Honestly, coaching, um, which for many years I kind of didn't really get into that much, um, I think that's, that is one of the big things. And I think, I really do think every year, even as I get older, I can be better. Um, so I don't really think this time or this time, I just always want to be a little better than I was the year before. And if it means it's a one minute, two minute, three minute PR or not, or I just ran a better race, that's great. Uh, and I get a lot from the experience of learning how to do that. But I think I've also finally, after many years, become open to looking at things differently, uh -huh. training differently, training differently each year, because that's really, I think, important for us as runners uh, in anything. You've got to be open to doing things differently because then you'll experience it differently and you stand a better chance of improving or growing. And there's a lot to my running the last few years that I've really looked at differently. Group training classes, a lot of core strength, 
um, just even trying pacing differently, as, as, as I've talked about. And mm-hmm. all of those things just open you up to maybe unlocking something that you didn't have before. And my daughter says to me every year, um, well, gee, Dad, even if you run the same times the year before, you're actually better because you're a little older. Mm. So uh, if I can run a little faster getting a little older, I, I, I'm pretty happy with that. That's great. Yeah, I love the unlocking bit. So actually, in terms of pacing differently, what have you unlocked there? Well, it, you know, a few things. One is uh, I've run uh, the New York City Marathon 27 years in a row, and I still don't feel like I've come close to conquering it. I just feel like there's always this thing where I just can't seem to get over it. It's usually the last 10 miles mm-hmm. or last 10K. So the two things, I, three things I'm doing different this year. Number one is I'm running the last 10 miles of the New York City course 26 times between last year's marathon and this year's marathon. I'm done with 21 of those times. I've got five left. Uh, wow. Um, and I ran a lot in the winter and in the cold. <laughs> so number one. Number two, I read a book, 80-20, about pacing. And I realized, maybe a little geeky, not for you guys as coaches, certainly, that I was in that middle zone too much. And, and so I'm, I've slowed a lot of my longer runs down, time on my feet. It's, you know, I don't have to be the fastest in that 10 or 12 mile training run. And that's really made a big difference. Um, and, and I've actually experimented with a few races, uh, just one yesterday, the, uh, 18 mile, uh, TCS marathon training run and really looked at the pace and said, I'm going to, you know, run these miles at this pace, this at this, and then have some more. And it actually, for the first time in my life, I think it actually really worked. And I felt pretty strong at the end, able to even do a few more miles. So I think that getting that pacing, which we're told a million times, I've been hearing that for years. There's just something this year that I think I've gotten, but we'll see in the coming weeks leading up to the marathon. That is really exciting. Yeah, and uh, just just to, uh, as coaches as ob- who observe athletes all the time, that is one of the hardest skills, right? To even for us to internalize that, like when that gun goes off and you're fresh and tapered, it is so difficult. Um, yeah. You probably have heard Coach Stewart's uh, description at the when they uh, at at the expo when they're doing the course strategy, and he's like, "We're gonna tell you to go down, go very easy in the beginning, but we're gonna play Frank Sinatra and sh- you know <laughs> give you these panoramic yeah shoot a cannon, give you a panoramic view of the city, and put you on the <laughs> one of the longest suspension bridges in New York <laughs> with the most iconic view." <laughs> But it, don't go too don't fast. Don't go out too fast. Relax, you know, hold your horses. For it a is second. crazy. And wait, we're actually adding a few things to start this year that are even going to get you more excited. So, so wait till you see when that happens. But no, it's crazy. I mean, last year I ran, I, my, my half was probably the fastest half I ever ran in, in the marathon. And, uh, and I felt great. I was well trained and I was going to kill it. And uh, I ended up PRing by like a minute. Right. Mm-hmm. But still, the second half was just a disaster. Um, if I'd had just tempered myself a little bit in that first half, I really would have I really would have made a big difference in my time. So that's that's what I'll try to do. I mean, I, look, there isn't any one thing. I think there are a lot of yeah. factors. As I said, the group training has helped. The pacing has helped. I've done a lot of core work. Um, I do a lot of training, uh, performance training at HSS, which has really helped as well. Because as we get older, one of the things we don't want to do is that core work. Mm-hmm. But it has really helped me a lot um, in so many ways. And it's I think it's made a big difference. So we'll, I don't know. We'll see. That's <laughs> exciting. I'm really excited to track you. No pressure. <laughs> no, I, know. I know. I know. It's, it's <laughs> Actually, the last few years, too, I've worn this. We do this performance uh, metrics where we actually wear – um, this thing and they track us and, and they, it actually ends up on the broadcast so 
talk about pressure, end up everyone ends up seeing how you do on that. And and two years ago, the guy said, "Well, look at this guy; he's not doing bad for his age." Oh. <laughs> I saw that. Right, I was actually watching the broadcast. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> oh, for his age, he's not bad. For his age, just flat doing good. <laughs> do, do they? Does it show the heart rate and everything? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. It God. shows all that stuff and, and the zone you're wow. in and everything. It's pretty cool, and it's and I've done it. I think the last three years. Um, so it's fun to do, but yeah. it is there's a lot yes, of information, a lot of exposure there. there. The, the yeah. funny thing is, they switch between like. Michael, and then they would go to like someone like Des, and right, then right. <laughs> yeah, no, the, yeah, the, it, it runs the gamut from yeah. So that's okay. pretty neat. It's that's part of the deal, neat. yeah, for sure. Um, so, one question for you: aside from we're going to remove the New York City Marathon as a possible answer here, what is your favorite outside of New York race? It doesn't have to be a marathon. It's a hard question, I'm sure. <laughs> So this year, I uh, was really fortunate. I went to, I was at all six of the uh, World Marathon majors. I didn't run any of them except for New York, but I went to visit them all um, and uh, got to experience them all. And I actually was really fortunate in London to get to ride the lead vehicle in front of Kachobi this year. Oh, wow. And so um, all the courses in the majors look really cool. And at some point, maybe I'll run them. But uh, seeing London really an urban marathon and and seeing kind of the crowds really i don't know if either of you have run london or not but really looked really cool really unique really amazing experience so from that standpoint i'd say that that's pretty neat i haven't done honestly haven't done many other races mm. i've been so loyal to the new york city marathon and <laughs> new york nice. roadrunner so there haven't been that many i once ran the yankee stadium 5k which was kind of cool and uh, a few other ones I used to run a lot out in New Jersey. But um, I'd say running one of the majors at some point um, and having seen the course at London firsthand, I think that would be really cool. That's great. Speaking of the majors, um, what's it like when you all meet together as r- the six race organizers? Is it sort of like the N- the NSA and the CIA <laughs> and the FBI all meeting and Interpol? <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I love it. I-, I think it's really great. You talk about people who care so passionately, as as we do at New York Roadrunners, about their event. Um, they all have their own um, you know special aspects to them, their own history. Certainly, you know, when you talk about Boston – as well. But it's really cool because you, I, I, again, I believe a lot in in learning and the way you learn is you experience things. So talking to the the race directors, going to their races, experience it all. uh, It's pretty interesting. You know, I I think people learn from us as well. So it's, I think it's fun. I really think it's really, really fun. I mean, I went to Tokyo this past year too, which was great. Uh, some of the things that they do, we even saw some things at the start that we really liked that, again, we're going to look to do in our end. When we were in Berlin, and they have the different wave starts, and they do a great job of pumping up each mm-hmm. wave start in a way that I thought was really neat. Uh, everyone has its own kind of thing about it. Chicago was cool. The, the finish line area was just so big and spacious and really terrific and fun. Um, and Boston is Boston, and I've stood at the finish line at Boston the last two years and got to give out medals, and in each of these, I've also been at the major's tent to give the six-star to a number of local runners, which is just really, really fun and cool and inspiring, and um, so hard to say which one, but I honestly have enjoyed them all. That's really special. How do you control your own emotions when you're handing that 
six star medal out. Oh, I, Just, I've, I've cried almost every time at yeah. it. I mean, especially for some of the folks that I, I know pretty well. We've had some of our, 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 colleagues that have done it and that have given it to and others and uh, you know I'm, I'll, I'll just I know what goes into it I know what it takes and I know what it means to people the personal achievement so I mean I'm, I'm getting that way now mm -hmm. I, I really I think it's terrific and it doesn't matter what your pace is uh, accomplishing one marathon is an incredible accomplishing six around the world it's just it really is uh, an amazing I think real tribute to the way people care and are passionate about our sport and about running and what it does for them and, you know, we've had people that have come back from, from serious illness who, who've gone through that. And there was, there was a guy in Boston who's actually for the third time got a six-star. Oh. He's run all six of them. Wow. Three times. I think he's more than that. But so, so he was there, too. And it's just, it's really, really great. Speaking of doing things multiple times, we're, we're going to switch back to your journey for a second. So 27 times you have run the New York City Marathon in a row puts you 1991 being the first one. Can you describe the circumstances around 1991? Yeah, that, that's, that's one of the easiest ones, which I've, I've gone totally public on uh, <laughs> in the last few years more than ever. So I, I, the story is that I, I got my heart broken by someone, right? So uh, I got dumped, and uh, I said, well, I'll show her. I'll run the New York City Marathon. She'll think I'm great, and she'll take me back. <laughs> So I trained, I trained, uh, I ran the New York City Marathon, never saw her, I've never seen her since, and the accomplishment was, was really fulfilling, and, I, and it, it's an interesting journey, because I was at a point in my life where I think I really needed something, and running became my thing, and it became, you know, Forrest Gump-like, if you will, and gave me an opportunity to kind of accomplish something, and at a time when I really needed something, and um, so... 1991, I line up and run that first marathon, not knowing a thing about marathon running, not barely knowing that much about running in general, and uh, made my way through it and got to the finish line and said, this is incredible. I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> so, you got the usual <laughs> the response. Typical. The usual response. And then what do we all do, right? Yeah. A day or so later, we're like, I can do better than that. Um, so it, I, literally, you never kind of know what gets you on that journey. I was inspired because of I needed something in time based on a relationship, and it changed the whole course of my life. And this is this is the really cool thing about it, because not only have I run the marathon that many years, I I changed a lot of ways in which you know my health was, uh, my thinking, uh, changed jobs, ended up moving, just started on a different journey, uh, and running became the one constant through all of those things that just felt good and felt right, and it was a time to be creative, to escape, to challenge myself. And every year, pretty much the same thing. I can do better. I'm never going to do it again. I can do better. I'm never going to do it again. So it's like repeat and repeat every year um, throughout the last 27 years. And I never think of it as a, a streak. I just think of it as I'm going to run the New York City Marathon this year, and I'm going to do well. And that's kind of been my approach. You must love training. I, a lot. I really do. I, I really enjoy the training more and more each year. I love every aspect of it. I love mixing it up. I love the fact that I run with different people every year. If I look at that 27 years from, you know, running a lot alone to running a lot more now with people in groups, um, being smarter about the training, learning from coaches, um, it's really it's really cool. And, and I think it's it challenges you to kind of every year you can almost reinvent yourself through mm -hmm. this training. And um 
I really I do enjoy it a lot. It's great. It's like a clean slate every time. It pretty much is. You cross that finish line in November, and I'm like, oh, never again. I did it again <laughs> this past year. I'm like, maybe I can't really do that, even though I PR. I'm like, maybe I can't really do that again. But uh, it, I, then after a short period of time, I thought I can do something else differently. And um, I, I, in some ways, I probably never really thought about this, but if I think back to why I ran it the first time and, you know, as, as Chris Weiler says, it was the best breakup story ever, right? So um, ultimately, it caused a change in my life, and I think every year I can kind of just readjust my goals and look at something differently. And, and everything has worked out pretty darn well because of that. Um, you know, I got a different job, I ended up meeting my wife, I ended up in this job, like whoever thinks you end up in this job after where you start in 1991, but it's all kind of worked out. What kind of a job were you doing in 1991? <laughs> <laughs> well, you studied film at NYU. Which I did, yeah, I think I it's a surprise to many people who hear that for the first time. Yeah, I did. I actually was in the process of getting my MBA, um, and then just, you know, random jobs. I had mm-hmm. so many kind of random jobs. Uh, at the time, and then I uh, just went to NYU, uh, got my film uh, certificate, and then ended up in advertising. And things just yeah. changed. I don't, you know, it's hard to even say. Sometimes you chart your course, and sometimes you don't. Yes. And things just kind of one thing after another happen. Um, and and uh, but the one constant through all that was every year I would train for the New York City Marathon, and every year would be there running it, and that was pretty good, pretty great. That's so inspiring, Michael. A few things that come to mind immediately. We have talked about the notion of that the journey is the destination on the podcast. It has come up with many of our guests, so it's not surprising here as well. Um, if there's one thing that Michael 2019 can go back in a time machine and say something to Michael 1991 on that starting line. Yeah, gosh, you guys, you guys have some good questions. That's a tough one. I don't know. I think it would be... Uh, have, have some confidence. Mm. Because I think at that point in my life, certainly, you know, lacking confidence, self-confidence was a big deal. And I think even standing there on the bridge that first time, wondering whether I was going to make it through there, uh, even the fact that I got there considering, you know, emotionally I, I, I wasn't the best, but just have some confidence. Um, and as I think you get older, you build more of that confidence. But you know, a lot of times when you're younger, you don't have that confidence. And when you try something, and even if you don't succeed at it, that's okay. Uh, so the idea of failing now is much more digestible than it may have been back then. And I think when you're younger and you don't know, and that 1991, Michael, uh, she wrote about this recently in something, just lacked a lot of confidence. And um, even the confidence to take risks, which I think is really important in life. You just have to take risks. But you don't, you know, you don't know that when you're younger. Yeah. You know, you kind of learn that along the way because you fail, yeah. right? And the failures help you kind of learn that, hey, yeah, I'm fine. And I can come out of the other end of this actually better off because of it. And even if you fail and fail again, at least you've always tried it. So Last year I was speaking to some coworkers and we had some, so I, I work as a user experience designer and we had some thought leaders in the space just all meeting together at a conference. And one of these ladies from Germany said, she's like, I hate people are like, fail, fail often, fail fast. She's like, it's just practice. Every single time it's just practice, right? It we is. can actually put a positive spin on it and think of it in terms of, you didn't do that. If it, that you now you know that doesn't work or you can do something better. And that's what I, but you do have to take that step. Like you said, you have to take that step and be okay with the idea that, yeah, I, mean, I might fail, but I'll, 
on the other end, I'll come out learning something. And that's that was 1991, that step for you. Yeah, no, for sure. It was it was a big, really pivotal point in my life to do that. And I think it's it's that way for a lot of people. I think what running is, I mean, when I met that woman running down Fifth Avenue, her first ever race, a friend of hers had run with New York Roadrunners. She'd heard her talking about it. She, she signed up for, for a mile. And I don't even know what our pace was, but we moseyed on down Fifth Avenue chatting and smiling. And then later on, you know, she, she crossed the finish line in our first race and she took that step. And whether she ever runs another race or not, it doesn't matter. But I think that says a lot for your willingness to kind of be open and take a chance and do something. Yeah, it's it's I mean, I always say it's funny. I don't mean funny as in humorous, but talking about taking the risk and taking the step and doing something really what seems so scary that first marathon is terrifying i was terrified new york was my first and i remember i was in the first corral of wave two and i was miserable i didn't want to do it <laughs> i was just like how did i end up here how did i end up here <laughs> and then as you said you get more familiar and you learn that you can do these things and i've said to ali many times that you know fast forward four years and i might have an intimidating experience in life but i say to myself well, I felt sick on that starting line, whether it be the marathon or the 5K. This is going to be way easier than that. <laughs> and it always is. You know, the fear is always more than the reality. And I think that the experience of showing up for the training, I think the training for me is my favorite part. And then going and accomplishing how whatever the distance is, it's still, as you said, putting ourselves out there. And then, I don't know, it makes me it makes me emotional, too. It's a very it is life changing. It's it's really life changing. Yeah. It is. I think I think running as much as anything. I mean, certainly there are a lot of other things people are passionate about, but it really has changed so many people's lives. And I think it's such a great platform for, for doing that. And we see it every day. I mean, there's there is rarely a day that goes by where I'm not really moved or inspired by some story of some runner that that has, has overcome something, accomplished something, set out to try it. Um, and has has just found it to be really something that has helped them a lot. And and to your point, I think we're all practicing for a lot of things, and and a lot of people give it a shot. And um, it's it's truly inspiring. It really yeah. is. Can you share with us how you kind of weaved your way into um, your experience with New York Roadrunners? Yeah. So uh, after running the New York City Marathon for a lot of years, um, I worked at Calvin Klein, producing commercials and advertising. Worked at the NFL, um, overseeing their marketing and brand for um, a handful of years. And I became friendly with Mary Wittenberg, the former CEO of New York Roadrunners, and a good friend and terrific person. And she and I just started going out for coffee or, or tea and, and chatting and catching up. And we basically got to know each other a little bit. And we just kept saying, you'd be great to work together someday. And um, I ran the 2010 uh um, New York City Half Marathon, crossed the finish line. It was on the West Side Highway, I think, at that point. And Mary was standing there greeting people at the finish line, as, as we all do. And she said, what are you doing now? And I said, I just finished the half marathon. And she said, no, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm consulting right now. And she said, well, I think I finally have an opportunity for us to work together. So within a few months, um, she hired me as a consultant to do a project for her. And I was uh, working one or two days a week up at 89th Street at the old uh, headquarters for New York Roadrunners on the sixth floor walk up in what was Joe Kleinerman's old bedroom, I was told. It had a folding table, a chair, uh, and and with, there was this window that actually looked down across, and you could actually see Central Park. Um, and I thought I was in heaven. I mean, I really <laughs> thought I was in heaven. Here I was working at New York Roadrunners, walking up six flights of stairs in Joe Kleinerman's old bedroom in a folding table and a chair, 
and could see Central Park and working one day a week. And I thought, this is the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> it's like, this is so cool. Um, of course, financially, that wasn't always the best. So <laughs> I had a few other uh, consulting jobs at the time. And one day led to two days a week, led to three days a week. And I worked closely with Mary. Uh, a few years later, she hired me as a uh, chief operating officer, uh, as, a, as an interim role and a chief operating officer. And then when Mary left, um, they asked me to be the president and CEO, and I was—I felt as lucky as a person could possibly be to be given this opportunity. Um, and so much, you know, New York River has been around for 60 years and in New York City for 60 years and has done so much for the community. And I thought, wow, this is great. I'd love to just continue to, to build on what we have here. But this is, again, one of the situations I was running. I got to know the CEO. I was wanted to work there, finish the race, right time, right place. And so running has just kind of led to all of these things. So really fortunate. That's pretty amazing. It reminds me of almost John Honorkamp's story. He was like, you know, it was all about timing. I was just at the right mm -hmm. time, at the right place. And then it kind of just, it worked out. It just, then I had a passion for something and I put myself out there, took a risk quite yeah. literally, right? Like yeah. I said, okay, I'm going to take this for you. It was that one day thing. I love the parallel between that, 1991 story risk and then this one like okay it's one day it's financially not that best but whoa i love it yeah yeah you never know and i and, and i can't tell you how many people i meet within the course of a week that say we'd love to work in new york roadrunners mm -hmm. and i'm we'll, we'll just you know figure out a way work part-time volunteer you never kind of know but if you want to make a transition in life and and do um what you're passionate about and combine a skill set i think it's really really uh there's an opportunity to do anything. And often when I speak a lot of time to some of the kids in school and some of the you know, other kids, I, I often will talk about, you know, follow your passion. There's a good chance you'll be able to do that for a living. That's inspiring. Um, speaking of children and the influence that you're trying to bring in, running into their lives, can you tell us a little bit about Project 2020? Yeah, so um, there are a number of organizations that are in um, fitness that are really trying to look at how we can continue to make sure that our kids have opportunities to play and making sure that they don't specialize too much maybe in, in one sport, that they have opportunities both in school and at home to be able to continue to play and grow. And at New York Roadrunners, we've put a lot of effort in the last few years with our launch of Rising New York Roadrunners around physical literacy, which is basically giving kids lifelong skills to be able to be physically literate. What does that mean? It's not just about running. It's a lot about developing a lot of other strength, balance, and coordination skills that, that kids need in order to participate in sports overall. So we're really thrilled to be a part of a, a group of folks that are really just trying to make sure that kids have opportunities to play and certainly in areas where maybe it's not as easy to do that. Um, our Rising New York Roadrunners programs are in 800 schools here in New York City and 800 around the country approximately. They're free programs. They give people the tools through the physical literacy to learn how to develop and grow and be physically active for life, and that's really important to us. The photos that go online of you with the kids, the Rising New York Roadrunners, is, it's really, really inspiring. You look, you never look happier than in those photos. That's great. <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. We try to go to, if not a school a week, uh, two or three a month just to visit and run with the kids. 
there's nothing like being, I mean, it's, it's kind of like we get to go to a race most weekends, right? So I think I should be in a school at least once a week if I can, because there's nothing like seeing the programs in place, being there with the kids, getting feedback from the people that are putting on the programs. I, I find it really inspiring. And I think, you know, it's great. Part of my job is to go running. Yeah. And so I might as well go to the schools <laughs> and run. It's taken me to places all around um, the five boroughs that are really terrific and get to go into schools and meet principals and meet PE teachers and meet a lot of kids. And sometimes you see the kids at our events as well, which is really, you know, really cool. And a lot of them know that they're playing other sports and running is a fundamental aspect for participating in sports. So that running and fitness, I think, is really important. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. I New York Roadrunners, 61 years now, 60 plus years. Yeah, 61. Um, started as as a running club up in the Bronx. Can can you, we have an international audience who may not be familiar, like this is the organization that puts on the New York City Marathon and people are coming from all over the world. Can you talk a little bit about the history of how it started and where it is today? Yeah, you know, it is interesting because we're really fortunate here in New York City to have such a vibrant running community where there are hundreds and hundreds of running clubs. And New York Roadrunners was one of those running clubs um, back in the mid-50s. And they used to gather people together, and up in Macumazan Park, they would put on some races. And from that, they just kind of grew, and they started organizing other races around the five boroughs. And then uh, in 1970, they came up with this idea to do a marathon in Central Park. And I think it's what really then kind of started to distinguish them from a lot of the other running clubs. They were putting on other races anyway, which kind of helped them grow. But they came up with the idea to put on, you know, let's run, you know, 26 miles in Central Park. They, they struggled to get 150 people or so actually apply for it. And um, it just kind of grew from there. But it's really interesting that the beginnings were so much about just, you know, local running. And, and I think that's something I keep in mind every day. We're really a community-based running organization. We put on the largest marathon in the world, but every day the community of New York City and now the global community through digital platforms really are, are connected through running. And um, one of the reasons uh, you know, I say that we, we've had some success is we've been in the same city doing the same thing for 60 years. Mm -hmm. And we've learned a lot about that. We've taken a lot of risks. We've had a lot of mistakes. And, and we've learned and we've built on it all along the way. But what has been so consistent is that the running community has embraced um, us, the racing, the coaching, and everything that goes around it. And um, we were really fortunate to be right place, right time, some really good ideas, taking some chances. And, and here we are, you know, 60 plus years later with the largest marathon in the world. Um, we impact over 670,000 people a year through all of our races events um, and over 250,000 kids a year through our free programs. So the impact just continues to grow, and um, we're, we're a not-for-profit. Our mission is to help and inspire people through running, so we look at all different ways we can do that. It also has, just a follow-up on that, it also has a, just a rich history in leadership that's come along. If, can you talk, two of my favorite people from New York Roadrunners, never got to meet them, or Ted Corbett and Fred Liebold. Every time I learn a little bit more about them, I get they're kind of different personalities in their own yeah. way. But can you talk about them for a second? Yeah, really cool. We're we're so fortunate. Um, Ted Corbett was our first president back in 1958. I don't know how many people know about Ted. He was an Olympian. He was what they call the father of distance running. An amazing man. Um, also, really about fitness um, and health. 
and the guy could run forever and ever and ever. I mean, absolutely amazing, uh, really inspiring. Uh, was an expert in course measurement and got to be known really well for that. Uh, very involved in our in the roots of who we are. Uh, and then along somewhere in the in the late '60s, I guess Fred LeBeau comes up and becomes this kind of P.T. Barnum of of uh, races and. Fred was a showman, and he was one of those people who really kind of knew how to get publicity and um, did a lot of amazing things in the city, was part of the running community, uh, helped with a number of other folks uh, to launch the New York City Marathon, and kind of became an icon for for many reasons uh, uh, throughout the years and led New York Runners for many years to a lot of its growth, uh, its expansion throughout the years. And uh, right up until the early 90s, and actually the last race he ran when, when Fred had cancer was one of my early marathons as well, um, and he ran it with Greta Weitz. But um, long history of great leadership, and, and even two very different people in and of themselves, you know, and um, really shows you, I think, that the inclusiveness of running overall, uh, that you could be running alongside of anyone right and very different than you in so many ways but there's that one common thing of of running together i think that's really inspiring and getting other people moving and we've been fortunate to have a lot of amazing leaders throughout the years absolutely um so let's talk (laughs) about the new york city marathon for a second (laughs) i want to throw the same question i threw to christine and let's see if the answer is a little bit different or not (laughs) (laughs) you want to convince someone to come run the New York City Marathon? What do you say to them? It will be the best day or one of the best days of your entire life to experience running the T-Session New York City Marathon um, for so many reasons. On that day, not only will you be surrounded by the largest group of people running a marathon, but there will be over a million people on the streets cheering for you, and there is nothing there's nothing that feels better than that feeling you get of having those people cheer for you on that day and the inspiration you get from the other 52,000 runners around you. So um, I could sell it to the I, – I, w- I would pay for you to come and do it that first time. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in it so much. It is life-changing. It really is, whether you run it one time or, you know, 27 times. I really believe it is life-changing. It's like that for me every year. And I look, running is not for everyone. I mean, distance is not for everyone. But if you're thinking about doing a distance race and you're thinking about doing a marathon, there's no better one to do than New York City. What is your favorite part of the course? Um, I'll say I'll say three if I can. Yes. The start is just it's iconic. It is it is magical. And and when you when you're on that bridge and you're looking over, uh, it's really just incredible. And the adrenaline you have. So that's number one. Number two, um, there are areas that you're going through in Brooklyn which are so incredible compared to maybe the way they were when I first started running. It crowds of people um, that are just you know causing the street to kind of get narrower and narrower each year, but but the the energy that you get for them in these aspects of Brooklyn. And then the last part is there's no question that when I'm at mile 26 and got that point two to go, uh, that, that you just look around and you actually, if you can for a moment, pause, and it's not easy because you're in mm-hmm. your, to kind of look out and you see the people around you and you see that finish line, this iconic finish line with all these people cheering you on. It is incredible because all of the work that you've done, all of the training that you've done, 
happens right there in that last that last point two, it hits you and you're like, wow, this is incredible. So that's all pretty great. Yeah. I still get emotional when the medal gets put on me every year too. It is a, it's a moment that it's pretty special, <laughs> especially the first time. Um, is there an element of race planning that's key to the race's success that you know about as someone who's a race organizer, but that might not be apparent to someone who's participating? Um, we say all the time that we don't own a stadium or an arena like most um, sporting events. So I think the most critical aspect is our partnership with uh, the NYPD and uh, all these city agencies here in New York. Uh, maybe it doesn't sound, you know, something that, but people don't think about it. Um, I mean, I always say if you went to the to uh, City Hall now and said, we'd like to close down five boroughs and run 26 miles, <laughs> it's exactly what they would do. They, w- they would laugh. They'd call security on us. They they would. (laughs) They would laugh you out of the place. But the fact that in 1976 that a group of people decided to do it and the fact that now, all these years later, we have the support and the partnership of the NYPD and the city officials to make sure that it happens is is irreplaceable and is so valuable to us. And and they're great partners. Uh, They want to see New York City shine. They want to see New York City be its best. So the safety, security, and experience for people is just as important to them. So I think a lot of people may not mm-hmm. think about that, but shutting down 26 miles of one of the, you know, the greatest city in the world <laughs> is, is a pretty big deal. And there's lots of other stuff of setting up. You know, we're popping up a race on the streets. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't happen in anything else. You know, a Super Bowl, you're going into an arena or mm-hmm. something like that. Even the Olympics, you're going into a stadium, years of planning, of course. And that's certainly big, but we're popping up a race almost overnight uh, for 52,000 people. Yeah. It's, 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 it's crazy. Um, <laughs> but we have, you know, this is the, the plug for the team. The team at New York Roadrunners, even throughout the 60 years, is absolutely incredible. The things that they do to make this happen so that you as a runner don't think about the water stops, mm-hmm. the security, you know, the, the medical, the medals being there at the finish line, the volunteers helping you out, you being able to pick up your bib, like all of that kind of stuff that goes on, you know, you shouldn't think about it like that. You should just experience. And the team at New York Roadrunners and all of our partners and volunteers really help to make sure that that happens. Yeah, it is It is daunting to think about, like, you just draw this line on a map that goes through five boroughs. You're like, yeah, that's our stadium. Mm-hmm. And then I think about the volunteers, like, coordinating all of that the aid stations, the medical tent, like, it's kind of mind-boggling. Like, it's... It, it is. It makes the race, race like, part easy. Like, if somebody gave you all the logistics, like, this is what we have to do to make this happen so you can run, but like, okay, okay, I'm not worried about my race. I'll be fine. Like, I'll do this. <laughs> it, it, is, it is really... It's a logistical... I mean, I, I'm amazed at it. I mean, I'm in the middle of it, and I'm still amazed at it. And Jim Heim, our, our, our race director for the T-Station City Marathon, is, is, is brilliant at it, as they all have been beforehand as well. Um, they have a great team that works with them, but it really is, it's, it's magical when it all happens. And I, I, I've stood on that bridge. I, I did it with Peter for a few years, with Jim this past year, um, as he was kind of coming into the, and we, st- we just were like, this is incredible. This is just incredible. We've shut down 26 miles of the city so that people can run through. It's, it really is amazing. Can you, Peter came up. We have to talk about him. What is he doing these days? Peter is, is, I spoke to him last week, actually, happily retired, um, doing great. Uh, 
just trying to stay healthy. He, um, he's a terrific person, really creative um, and really inspiring. And he just, he, he traveled a lot this past year. He's come and run a few races with us. Um, and he's just, he's a great person. Peter, a lot of people don't know this about Peter. Peter was in the music business before. And his ability to kind of um, put on a show has really been something special about him. And I miss him a lot. He's, he's really uh, um, one of those people that can just think creatively. But I'll tell you, um, Jim Heim, who worked under him for a number of years, is just incredible as well. Great partner, terrific to work with. Jim's coming up on his first marathon, so um, he keeps no he pressure. Keep, no, no, that's what he keeps saying. No pressure. I know. We just Maybe got he to shake his have hand. The, the biometric thing. Yeah, we should put it on Jim for Jim's heart rate. <laughs> no, so he's funny. he's he's great, as steady as can possibly be. But you know, these were the race directors, as Mary was before, as Fred was, as other people were, Alan were. But what it is is it's the team. I mean, it really is a team of people that make it happen and um we're really fortunate to be right in the middle of it I, i'm amazed i'm i'm truly amazed and when i was on the other side of it running it and then when i came inside i'm like holy this is like incredible everything that has to happen it's cool <laughs> it's like putting little pieces of a puzzle together was it daunting to be offered this position like you have to take it but like when that happened that moment came i don't know if you saw it coming or like you're like wait a minute <laughs> No, you know, I, not not really. I didn't. And boy, it was it was a lot. It was a lot at first. But I was so so uh, excited about the challenge and the opportunity. I thought this is this is amazing. I mean, to be able to take what is an incredible organization that has done such so many things for so long, and to be given the opportunity to continue to grow it and and make sure that we 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 continue to serve people in the community. I, I was just thrilled for the opportunity and felt really honored to be be given the chance. Um, so we're going to release this a few days before the marathon. We're going to hold on to it for a little bit. Can you walk us through what Michael does the day and the night before the marathon, like what you eat and things like that? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's secret. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, the, you know, the interesting thing is it, marathon week is a, a pretty busy week, as you, you might imagine. There's a lot of a lot of things that we're doing between um, – you know, uh, press things, partner things, different events. We have a big uh, event with kids on Friday, run with champions. I love being at the expo. Um, I love being around and talking to all the folks. Um, we do a lot of things with our board, our chairman, George Hirsch, uh, who's just terrific as well, who you should have on here one time. George is incredible. Um, we do uh, Hall of Fame and a number of other things. But the day before... Um, the Saturday before, I try to slow down a little bit because the week leading up is a lot, um, a lot of last-minute details and meetings and check-ins on things. And then um, I, tr I always say I'm going to prepare everything. You know as runners, right? You want to lay out the clothes, the fuel, the bib. You want to do the whole thing, right? I always say I'm going to do it in advance. No. On that Saturday night, I'm getting home, and I'm basically at like 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock laying everything out, getting it all ready, um, and try to get to bed at a decent time, but, you know, it's not it's easy. So Fast forward then uh, up probably 4 o'clock, I think, uh, or so. Um, and and here's the deal, whether or not you know this, when you work at New York Roadrunners, um, for years we had it where you weren't supposed to run the marathon because you worked. So one of my last negotiating points when I was taking the job bridging with Mary was 
not my salary, not my title, not my responsibilities, could I still run the marathon? Because I had, I think, 18 in a row at that point. So um, this was the deal. She said, you to get up early, you got to come out to the fort, you got to work for a few hours, you can go run the marathon, then you got to go back to work. So I've done that every year since. So I get up early, I go out to the fort. I'm not doing the heavy lifting, if you will, <laughs> but I'm there to support and do things. There's a lot of, you know, partner things and things like Nothing that. Nothing that will yeah. involve having you do something, carry something 30 pounds and have be squatting. Not necessarily, <laughs> but I would. If, if they need, if, if we needed to, I, I would certainly do it for sure. So um, I'll, I'll do a early morning, get out there at the bridge, crack of dawn when the first people are arriving, even before, um, do a few interviews, meet some partners, talk to the team, check in with everyone, make sure things are still, everything's okay. Are there anything that's coming up are starting to close the city streets. Uh, when does the mayor arrive? When are we doing this? All these kinds of things. Um, I run for Team for Kids uh, and have for the last nine years and raised money for them. So I always go over to the Team for Kids area, say hello to that group as well, um, and then head up onto the bridge. And boy, it's really amazing. We stand up there and we start to see it all kind of come together, um, get ready for the start, which I get, I get you know, chills even thinking about it right now. And then my thing the last few years has been the gun goes off. I cheer for a few minutes, make sure people get going. And then I go down and I go to the back of the first wave um, where all of the streakers and 15 plus runners start. I start at the back of the first wave and then, then take it from there. I try to get to the finish line as fast as I possibly can <laughs> so I can go back to work. And that's basically standing at the finish line for the next seven or eight hours, uh, putting medals on people, high-fiving whatever. Um, if anything comes up along the way, I'm connected so that people could call me. Um, but that's, mm -hmm. that's pretty much it. And then I'll stay at the, at the finish line with everyone else until the last finisher and still on adrenaline, yeah. still feeling great about the whole thing. You would have food delivered to you, correct? Yeah. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> you know what it's like after you run a marathon, though? A lot of times the f you don't really want to eat right yeah. away. That's and like the coach and speaking immediately. Yes. Like, yes. Did, you, did you feel... Protein within 30 minutes. <laughs> yes. That doesn't usually happen, but, you know. Yeah. We'll order you a pizza. <laughs> it is my favorite post-race meal is a oh, pizza. Good. Yeah, good, so good. I usually will have pizza that night or, or certainly every day afterwards as oh, well. Oh, that's wonderful. So, for sure. That's great. Um, should we get? Should we do some of our silly questions? <laughs> sure. You started I, off really tough, you guys. I'm telling you, this, this is not. This is not like a softball thing here. These things are tough. <laughs> good to know. I feel like that's what. Good you know. cop, bad cop. <laughs> no, that was good. Chill track. No, that was good. I, I have other. We can get to the silly questions, but I was thinking, okay. does it feel like you're living your dream job in a way? Like, maybe you'd have like started I'm coming full circle from like my first question about pro baseball but then like the way you're describing all of this right it's amazing it's just incredible you know it's you said it yourself it's just it's almost a privilege to have this and then be able to do that it's just, it's almost like being on a high the whole time right it, uh, I'm incredibly fortunate yeah. I would say I'm really blessed to be able to do what I do I, I absolutely love it um, I get up every day just so excited about the next day and what's ahead. Uh, I love the team of people that we have at New York Roadrunners, and I love 
you know, working with folks and just being a part of the running community. It's a really unique community. Yeah. It's really special. My wife says all the time when she's, runners are really nice. Mm, yeah. Like they're, they're really genuinely nice people overall. I mean, we all have our quirky things, but, mm-hmm. um, but to answer your question, I feel really fortunate and blessed and uh, for, for the opportunity to be able to do this. Absolutely. Speaking of runners are just nice. I had, um, we had Matthew Futterman on last week um, and he was speaking about how walk up to them and they'll be like, yeah, no, actually, I actually understand what you're going through, right? And we can talk about our, our training plans as different as they might be, whereas maybe with a pro tennis player, you might not be able to do that, right? Yeah. It, 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 the, the line between is, is, is always really close with the professional runners and really cool. Uh, I was very fortunate to run the popular Brooklyn Half Marathon with Meb this past year. Um, we both ran the virtual six virtual uh, six virtual races for New York runners qualified us for the Brooklyn half. Uh-huh. So uh, he was so kind as he is to, to run the race with me. And here I'm running next to Meb. <laughs> um, and at about mile nine or ten, mm-hmm. uh, he starts giving me tips about my form. I'm like this is amazing. I mean, is this amazing. is absolutely incredible. And things I you know that I was like yes thanks Meb. Wow. Uh, so we're we're really fortunate. Yeah. Really fortunate. Speaking of Meb, um, actually, Matthew shared with us that the night before New York City, what year was it? I can't remember. Uh, um, the year that was really stormy, I think. Yeah, or- 14. Mm-hmm. Um, Meb texted Matthew the night before and said, pain is in the forecast for all of us tomorrow. <laughs> I just love that because it's such an even playing field. Different paces, but we all go to the same place. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Um, do you have any advice for any of our listeners who are running the New York City Marathon? You know, the, the one thing I'm going to say is probably the most obvious. Just enjoy it because it, it, it happens so quickly regardless of, of your time. Really enjoy it. Take it all in, um, whether it's your first time or, or more than that. Um, I think you said it up front. Go out slow. <laughs> it is a hard marathon. You know, five bridges. It's, um, it's usually, a, you know, weather conditions can be whatever on that day. But um, go out at a reasonable pace. Enjoy it. Um, take it all in. And, and um, find that inspiration from the people around you. You never know who the person next to you is running for charity or running for the first time. And strike up a conversation if you can with someone because uh, you, can, you can meet some really special people along the way. Yeah, that's, that's good advice. Um, did you? Okay. Yeah. If you were a fruit, what would you be? <laughs> you thought the hard questions were over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I... St- a berry of some kind, a strawberry, a cherry, a, something like that. Do you have a favorite cereal? Uh, all kinds. I'll eat any and all kinds. I love cereal. No no favorite one, just lots of them. Just, I'll eat cereal for dinner a lot, too. Oh really yeah. like cereal a lot. I yeah. do that, too. Um, okay, so if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Well, obviously to fly so I can be faster, <laughs> right? <laughs> I would just go this much off the ground, though, so you might not know it, no. Um, but, yeah, to yeah. fly, sure. Yep. Yeah. Room, desk, car, and running clothes. Which do you clean first? Everything's a mess. <laughs> running clothes. Running clothes, yeah. 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 The most useful. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm going to get that run in. They get the most care, no doubt about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think that's it. Wow. Um, thank you so much for joining us. And you will be on my tracker. 
I'm mm. sorry, I can't run it. But yeah. <laughs> I'm actually working with the pace team this year, so I'll probably see you at the. Oh, uh, good. What pace are you? No, I'm not. Uh, not I'm right. just organizing the. Okay. Um, helping out with the pace group itself Absolutely. and not pacing anything. But thank yeah, you. Thank you both for all of your support for New York Roadrunners. I mean, you're both, you're you're changing people's lives. You really are. You're making such a big difference, and it's really important. And we appreciate it so much. And you don't know what is going to come next. You just. Yeah. It opens it opens life up, I think. So well, we'll see you on the roads. You will. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. It was great to chat with you. All Thank right. you for joining us. And we'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks. Mm-hmm.